0: Exurgat Deus diccipentur inimici eius. Et fugiant qui eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, défende nos proelio. Contra nequitiamet insidias diaboli esto praesidium. Imperetili Deus, suplices deprecamur, tu, ce princeps militae calestis, satanam aliosce spiritus malignos, qui ad perditionem animaram, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum letrude. Amen. Cor Iesu Sacratissimum miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis, Beatis Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So, welcome to the show today. Today we are here with Mike at Restoring the Faith. Mike, how are you doing?
2: Are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be back with you, Caleb.
0: It is a pleasure to have you back. It's been a little bit. But we're in your wheelhouse today with finances and talking about um, the challenges to e- ESG, that's the environmental, social, and corporate governance. And when I say challenges, someone has just risen up and decided that they were going to begin to start putting it, putting together a fund, um, I guess an investment plan um, to combat, or not combat specifically, but to compete with and break the back of the major corporations that are all getting on board with this ESG scoring system, which is literally just to find a way to break every industry that brings everything actually helpful to humanity for its prosperity. Um, the guy's name is Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, I don't even know actually how to reach out to him and, and try to actually talk to him directly, see what exactly he's trying to do. And I, and at this stage in the game, since they're talking about releasing a a product in October, I'm guessing he's probably going to end up holding a lot of that close to the vest, anyway, um, because you don't want you don't want to let the cat out of the bag before it's time. Am, am I right in that assessment?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. Everything you said so far, especially about ESG, it's designed to stymie the growth of um, industry. And it is more or less a participation badge that co- companies like to wear to demonstrate how woke they are, you know, to people as if that means as, as if that's a good substitute for, you know, earnings growth or customer growth or sales growth or, you know, uh, any of the other metrics, traditional metrics that you would use to evaluate the health of a business. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, de- I, de- de-
0: Definitely seemed a little backwards when they were talk when it, the when I was first uh, hearing about it. So,
2: yeah, I mean, um, it's the the corporate governance uh, and the move towards you know having more women boards of directors, uh, putting minorities in executive positions, uh, sustainability and environmentalism and climate change and all that diversity and inclusion all all of these things have been trending um in and discussed in boardrooms and you know people i think for like a decade paid lip service to it now i think it's becoming increasingly less easy for a, a publicly traded company to merely pay lip service to it they actually have to perform according to these sort of like nebulous ESG standards And um, as a result, even like if you were to become if you're going to sit for certain um, CFA um, certified financial analyst um, uh, certifications now, you you have to you have to take modules on understanding, you know, ESG, you know, and but I just I I still can't imagine that uh, on a on a retail level, like you're sitting across from your financial advisor and your advisor saying, hey, you know, I'm sorry that your portfolio underperformed the market, you know, this past year, and maybe we even lost you money. But the good news is, is that you supported, you know, uh, Black Jewish women in the boardroom. Um, so it kind of stinks that you underperformed, but at least you, uh, you know, you did pat yourself on the back. You did a good thing. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I just, I just don't see that flying with people. Yeah, I, I.
0: So. I make no bones about it on the podcast. I'm a conservationist. I'm not an environmentalist. Um, the the environmental stuff is, like, no joke, the way I look at it, the environmentalism aspect of this thing is a personal attack. Um, you know, I'm an aircraft mechanic. I'm, my day job is working on things that consume a monumental amount of jet fuel day after day. Um, and so the idea that they would do something deliberately to sabotage that Kind, you know it it is actually a personal attack they are actually going after my personal livelihood um <clears throat> with the social stuff i will tell you that being a mechanic um the <laughs> the diversity equity and in- or, or was it diversity diversity equity and inclusion um the that whole metric doesn't measure compared to how well you can turn a wrench you know, did it, it like literally every part of this, as I look at it, I go, this is like you guys are trying to break every everything pretty much, yeah. um, you know, if we, if we only hired mechanics based on on, you know, getting that intersectionality, that would be devastating. And personally, like I know, I know I would find myself pulling my hair out. I'm a lead mechanic at my company. The you know, I've actually got to drive my team and I've got to be able to use my team effectively Mm -hmm. because we have these things Mm -hmm. called deadlines. You know, we have, you know, we've got these metrics that, you know, the aircraft has to be safe to fly in and we have these deadlines and it has to be safe within a certain period of time. And it like, those are non-negotiables. The, uh, you know, if I were to hire based only on that intersectional, uh, you know, pattern, good lord i would say stop flying i'm not even joking i would say stop flying altogether
2: yeah well i mean it, it kind of reminds me of uh, about a month ago that united airlines announced that you know by i don't know 2030 or 2040 some some date in the future that they were going to have some percentage of pilots you know be minorities or you know ethnic minorities and whatever it's like look if you're sitting in the back of the airplane i don't think I don't. I don't personally know anybody who thinks to themselves, "I really hope they have the most diverse cockpit of all time." You know, like <laughs> you, you want someone who can who can land the plane. I mean, that's uh, you. You want to you want to know that you are being safely flown from A to B. Don't care what the person looks like, what their ethnic background is. Want the best pilot that I can get because that's what I'm paying for. You know, and it's like again, down at the retail level, at the individual user, consumer, customer level, I don't care if my my retirement account is helping, you know, um, h- helping to achieve diversity and inclusion. If I'm underperforming the market, and I don't care if I'm sitting in a in in coach. Uh, if my pilot is diverse or inclusive, I, I care that my pilot's going to actually like be able to navigate the plane to the correct airport and land and you know whatever. So, I mean, <laughs> ESG ESG sounds nice. From a marketing point of view, and again, I think this is why for 10 or 15 years, companies were able to get away with just, you know, uh, doing a hat tip to it and sort of like BSing and and, and acknowledging it. But as it becomes more and more like real, um, like, you know, where United Airlines is no no longer going to hire the best pilots, then that becomes a real concern, um, I think. And and uh, to the extent and 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 you're right, it is designed It is it is part of the communist plan to destroy private industry. And in. And, and, uh, one of the ways that communists succeed in implementing communism, uh, I talk about this quite a bit. There are like three or four major fundamental pillars that they need, and one of them is what we're what we're witnessing here, which is to incite class warfare uh between various groups of people it doesn't matter if it's economic classes or social classes or ethnic classes so long as it is constantly top of mind that we that there is strife and struggle in between groups of people that are identifiable that serves the purpose of implementation of communism um because they want us pitted against each other so them cramming esg down our throats when we as rational um consumers don't want it that is that is by design like they don't like say stated another way the people who pretend to care about esg are just communists they actually don't care about diversity and inclusion and they don't care about environmentalist wack- wacko ness. they actually just hate human beings and want to enslave them in, in communism and so one of the ways that they do that is to break down our mental barriers against you know, like our, our rational um, economic decision making and force us into a position to where we eventually just accept the fact that, yes, the the highest and the, the highest virtue of a corporation is diversity and inclusion. It is not the profit motive. It is not the product that it produces. It is not the customers. It is not even the employees. It's literally just this nebulous social uh, goal of trying to Hurt one group of people and help another group of people.
0: Absolutely, and for our listeners, um, I know. I know. For my audience, my audience tends to come from pretty much, pretty much around the world. Um, but, and most of them actually like from across the from across the U.S. A lot of people have maybe never been to someplace like New York City. Um, when I was born in New York City, the skies were brown, and they remained brown under the same under the same leftist we need to do this i mean these like acid rain would have actually been a potentiality in new york city if it wasn't for the change in regime when we finally went from environmentalist whack jobs who were screaming about you know unions and this that and the other and all of these basically communist ideas and actually got somebody who who showed up and said hey we're just going to do something and in the course of 10 years um when i in fact actually when i returned to new york city as an adult the skies were blue around the city. There was not a permanent brown fog up around, you know, the 30th floor of all the skyscrapers. And that's kind of the difference because the people, when you look at states like California, you know, they talk about environmentalism all the time. But they've got the worst environment and it was it, it had stayed pretty much horrible all the way through, you know, the seventies into the eighties, you know, the cafe standards you, you know, actually into the eighties when the national government said, okay, we're going to set these standards. And then everybody started abiding by them. and literally the skies just cleared up for the most part. <clears throat> but when left to their own devices, these people, they're not interested in accountability. They're not interested in actually preserving anything. They just yeah. want what they want and they want it at your expense. And they make it very—they've made it very obvious these last couple of years, and I'm really, really happy that the mask is off. But at the same time, too, it's also made it very difficult for me to cover news.
2: Yeah, I—I I mean, I mean, you mentioned Los Angeles. I'll just give you my personal uh, experience there. I've lived there four times, twice as a child, twice as an adult. I used to work in uh, the U.S. Bank Tower there, at, in one of the top floors. It uh, was the tallest building uh, in LA at the time, I think. I think there's now a building that's taller than that. And I I worked I had to take like 3 elevators to get up to the floor that I worked on. And from from my window view of, you know, greater Los Angeles this was, you know, not 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 a huge number of years ago. So recent times post, you know, environmentalist movement, post green cars, post all that. The disgusting layer of fog that hangs over Los Angeles on any given day is like viewable, especially when you're on like the 60 something floor, or the 70 something floor. I forget what floor it was. And you could and 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 it's especially and acutely noticeable on on one of the rare days when it rains, because after the rain, the rain like grabs all the nasty fog and stuff in the air and, and takes it down. Uh, and all of a sudden the air is clear. And then from my office, I could see Santa Monica. I could see Catalina Island, uh, on a clear day. Uh, you know, I could see for, for miles, um, which is, which is remarkable because downtown Los Angeles is like, I don't know, 20 miles inland from the coast. So yeah. to be able to see the coast and, and far out and all the way down to, you know, uh, only happened on a clear day. And it was, and, but you realize on a clear day, which was rare, uh, how disgusting the place is normally now one of the reasons why now you you have to go back and look at all of this because you say okay how is it that one of the most liberal hippy dippy you know loser cities in in the country with high crime and like high homelessness and you know piss in the streets and you know, all, all the problems that la has i mean they had the bubonic plague out outbreak you know amongst the homeless you know and 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 2020 um so like how does this happen to a place that's so progressive and so you know but one of the reasons why is because there's no infrastructure and one of the reasons why there's no infrastructure is because the hippies blocked the building of roads and highways the other thing is is when with city planning you know when when los angeles was booming and it was building um they didn't allow anyone to build up uh, they had like strict height limits on what you could build. And so people built out and yeah. that is what created this massive urban, uh, growth, uh, sub growth. And, um, so instead of, you know, building an apartment building, let's say you were restricted to build like two story buildings. So what is that? You know, that's duplexes or whatever. So, um, so as a result, there's, there, there are not enough roads and highways to get around, You can't build any more because it's private property. And even if you wanted to buy out the private property and build roads and highways, there's a a rare turtle standing in the way of that. So that will never happen. (laughs) So everyone there uses cars and sits in traffic. I mean, you know, you you talked about the airplanes that, that you work on that burn a bunch of fuel. I would argue that, you know, 5 million cars or 10 million cars or 40 million cars that are parked on a highway, just idle. You know, and people are running their AC because it's hot It's Southern California, um, and you're going one mile an hour on the highway for an hour. Um you know, that's that's an immense, immense waste of energy and time and all that stuff. So look, I, again, i'm I'm with you. I'm not an environmentalist. I'm a conservationist. I love God's creation. I think we need to be good stewards of our resources. And I look at Los Angeles as the ultimate case study, one of the ultimate ca- penultimate case studies of poor of the of the of the terrible like ho- unholy trifecta of terrible uh planning city planning from by liberals uh con- you know converged with terrible uh environmental policies by liberals and housing policies and tax policies and business policies all by liberals the whole place is run by liberals and it is like it's a it's a terrible place to be
0: <laughs> yeah yeah ab- absolutely the, um, <laughs> it's funny cause I, I used to live in Southern California myself as, as a, uh, as a kid. Um, I was down in orange County and the things I like, I'm, I would go home to New York and I would see how mass transit worked and all that other stuff. And, and granted, mind you, this is, <clears throat> this is in the time when I'm, you know, on the outs with God, if you were going to describe me, even, even as a, even as a teenager, obviously it's going to be the much more hippy dippy liberal bent. Um, you know, that goes, almost goes without saying the, but I could see one of the reasons why it always seemed like places were failing was because you can't, you can't spread out your infrastructure over hundreds of thousands of acres. When you can kind of type like New York city, at its peak had 10 million, 10 or 11 million people in 36 square miles. It is very easy to run infrastructure within 36 square miles. It is not easy to run infrastructure from Santa Monica to San Diego. You know, you you, you (laughs) want mass, (laughs) you want mass transit. You can have mass transit in some place where you literally only travel you know from the north end from the from the south end of manhattan to the north end of manhattan is 18 miles and then from the east end of manhattan to the west end of brooklyn and queens is only like 18 or 20 miles so you're talking like you're talking a very small grid you know of of space that you can run buses and subways and trains and all of these things where you know in a city like new york i wouldn't have a car it it makes no sense to have a car when I get on the train and thirty minutes later I'm at work, you know, and I just got to deal with getting crammed in with a whole bunch of other people. Now that was at its height. Now I'm never going back to New York because that's <clears throat> you, you're taking your life into your own hands on the subways now because because they refuse to do the other necessary thing when people just want elbow room and that's provide law enforcement, which is another one of those stupid ESG. Oh well, it's about equity. We're going to let all the prisoners out for covid but we're going to arrest you if you don't get your vaccination like what (laughs) it all of that stuff is and it's interrelated because you can tell it's like okay well we don't these people are supposedly oppressed never mind the fact that you're talking about rapists and murderers and child molesters You're you're like you're talking about like the you're talking about people who are going to get absolutely lost um who you know now with the safe smoking kits another esg Fun, fun thing where, you know, they give you the crack pipe and the meth pipe and the, and the syringe for the heroin and all that other. And, and so, so you can be safe. And it's like, you're not actually helping anybody. All you're doing is causing zombies to walk the streets and do really horrific things to people who generally shouldn't have to worry about that sort of stuff happening to them.
2: Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, and (sighs) The the real counter reaction to ESG, um, you know, that this that this, you know, biotech guy uh, is 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 trying to solve, which I don't think he's I don't think he's going to. I mean, just just founding a fund that says we're, we're anti ESG is no different than just saying we're founding a, an investment fund that's looking for great investments, period, end of story. And we don't care about, you know, like the, it, there's nothing really novel about what he's doing other than just highlighting the fact that you know, people are. I think fed up with the idea of leftist politics being injected into um, into investing in general. But what I don't think that it solves, Caleb, is is the overall problem of. Uh, th- here's a fact, and and I, I'm going to say something that sounds like a leftist would would repeat, but it's just mathematically a truism. There's this book called Capital, written by uh, Thomas Piketty, I think his name. And like ten years ago, it was a New York Times bestseller, and and um, I think the guy, you know, is a leftist, but he starts from a correct premise, and I think that that a bunch of conservatives and Catholics and 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 other assorted folks on the right are waking up to the fact that. You know Something that sounds like it's liberal might actually be true and maybe there's a reason why liberals are liberal because they start from a correct premise. And the correct premise is this, and, uh, that the growth rate of investor dollars is higher than of, – of like high, high net worth investor dollars. The growth rate available to them is higher than the growth rate available to you and me. And therefore, over a long enough period of time, the rich will get richer because their their investment dollars will grow faster. And I think that that's true because you know what we're what we're really talking about is you know private equity, hedge funds, um, you know ultra high net worth sort of in in mega mega investors who have access to deals. That you and I don't have access to because that's just the nature of how modern finance works. You know, if if there's some sweetheart deal that is difficult to understand, only a sophisticated investor could understand what the risks and returns are anyway. And you need to raise, you know, let's say 20 million dollars for it for that deal um you know you don't crowd fund that because if it's something that 's just so complicated and it involves like a tax credit for a film and and leveraging that in some other way and a derivative of that you know like you you start to get these really niche type deals that are only uh marketed to high net worth individuals and therefore as a result you know the 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 ultra families will benefit whereas everyone else doesn't what misses that opportunity now um that actually it on uh, the principle of that i think is morally neutral i don't really care i don't i don't i don't i don't take what this is where liberals get um go astray here because they they take a factual data point like that and then they they misapply a moral principle in other words they apply envy and greed to it they yeah, say well yeah. that's not fair it's not fair that the rich have access to deals that i don't have access to it's not fair that therefore their portfolios are going to grow faster than my portfolio could possibly grow um and therefore we have to punish them so um so i think that, i think the the heart unpacking that the heart of that is is also related to this this topic overall because. We're, you know, we're seeing Russian dollars and Chinese dollars coming into the United States, driving up the cost of real estate, making it inaccessible to young families who are just trying to get by. You know, The middle class in this country is disappearing. But part of the reason why the middle class is disappearing is because you know, in, in, in the COVID lockdown 2020, most people were deemed to be um, non-essential people. Go home, live on your stimmies. Um, sorry if you're unemployed, but the government only needs certain people. And during that period of time, the billionaires the billionaire class doubled their wealth and everyone else took a huge hit. So the, the middle class in this country is disappearing. And I think the right and the left are now looking at this and saying, OK, we agree on the starting point. This is a problem. Um, but I, I don't think – I'm not really seeing a real solution being offered either by like the supply siders, the GOP boomers, the Reaganomics people – or or the socialists you know communists on the left and i think i think the time for the us to be able to propose a third way a catholic way of doing things is is absolutely ripe
0: i'm definitely with you on that one um i'm definitely with you on that one and i hope it shows up faster than my third way because my third way involves a lot of pain death and destruction the um because uh, for 20 years, I solved problems by blowing things up. Like, that was what I was paid to do. You know, <clears throat> I have, there's a problem in a certain location. They send people like me to eliminate the problem. And eliminate could mean everything up to and including scorched earth. And they never let me play with scorched earth nearly as much as I would have liked. So I know someone like me gets in charge of this whole thing. It's it's a very, very bad deal. The um, And I would like, I would really love to see the actual Catholic response. Like how do we actually put a stop to this? And even if it's like a lot of people don't understand our society has become so degenerate. We are not going to avoid paying for our sins. Like this is literally our comeuppance right now. And and, and we're getting the intro, but our society doesn't understand that it's going to take 10, 15, 20 years to finish
2: this purge um, yeah, and, and so and like got- that's such a good point because uh, what we what we're addicted to is punting the ball. Mm-hmm. We, we think that with all of our monetary policy and our fiscal policy, that we can tinker with the economy, that we can play with interest rates, invent money, uh, print it out of nowhere, flood the marketplace, quantitative ease ourselves into prosperity, we think that we can avoid booms and busts. We think that we can avoid economic cycles and we can just punt it down the road just a little bit longer. Keep the game going. Keep the game going. And um, and you're right. In a way, w- what we're really talking about are um, our grave sins against nature um, and, and in particular the nature of money because um, m- money is by its nature sterile. Money yep. is not meant to reproduce. <laughs> Usury is a sin against the nature of money. And it, it, what it tries to do is it applies fertility to something that strictly speaking, the church fathers and doctors say is a sterile asset. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
2: the sins that we have, the the economic sins that we have all committed and been a part of wittingly or not, you know, like I'm not saying that like anyone who's listening to this is like a sinner who needs to confess usury. Um, But what we're talking about is uh, generational sin a nation being judged by the sins of the nation that's scriptural yeah. we are living in a usurious environment uh where we at, well, we are absolutely this is, this is a brilliant point caleb and this is something that i've been wanting to um to get out there more well known um but i, I, I haven't done a podcast about it um so i'm happy that this is happening We're we're overdue for an economic chastisement I mean like and 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 we cannot quantitatively ease our way out of it. We we can we can delay the bubble as as long as possible, but at a certain point it's just critical mass and it will happen and I think what we're about to see is the is the confluence of 1970 style energy shortage, 1970 style inflation, possibly even Weimar Republic level inflation, yeah. collapse of the currency. Combined with the dot-com bust of the of the 99 2000 2001, combined with the terrorist attack of 2001, combined with the housing crisis of 2008, all of that, con- con- all at once, every single asset in the economy is mispriced. It's inflated. Uh, uh, f- first and foremost, the United States dollar is inflated in its value, and the only way that that that, that continues. Uh, on is if the rest of the world Plays the game with us And we're at the point now Where Russia and China Are not going to transact In petrodollars Very likely And when that happens The game is up The game is just up And our our comeuppance Like what you said Will be upon us And there's nothing We can do about it
0: Yep That was actually The closing theme Of last night's podcast Was take it like a man Because it's coming And there's nothing You can do about it <laughs> the, um, <laughs> And I hate to be like, it sounds like it's being nihilistic, but we're supposed to be, as Catholic people, we're supposed to be more stalwart anyway. Like, that's what we're called to be. Um, so when something like this blows up and it's going to blow up, you know, there's stuff that you can do to prepare, obviously, to, you know, protect your family and protect, you know, protect your neighborhood and all that. Um, but by and large, we're all going to get it. Like, there's no... Now, granted, the most wealthy people the ones who are actually guilty of the most grievous sins, they'll probably be able to get out of it. And yes, that's disconcerting and it's certainly disheartening. Um, except I look at it this way. They're also significantly less likely to repent. And I will be laughing at them in the afterlife if I make it to heaven and they didn't repent.
2: Well, I think that, I mean, there's, there is something to that It's you know, God's justice, uh, I I certainly recommend folks go to an Ignatian retreat and try to understand, you know, like how this works because it can be aggravating, it can be very, very frustrating. There, you know, there are two questions that that drive people to atheism. One is why do good things happen to, or why do bad things happen to good people, and the other thing is why do good things happen to bad people, and that's that's your point. And this one is less well known, and I think less uh, gets gets people less excited, but In God's perfect justice, if he knows that a soul is damned, uh, he still rewards the souls for whatever merits they achieve on earth because he knows he cannot reward their merits in the afterlife because they're headed to hell. And so that is the answer to why good things happen to bad people. And so, yeah, you're right. Billionaires are going to escape the economic calamity they they're going to go to their bunkers, they're going to live for a long time. They're they've already stockpiled, you know, they're they're li- living underground in Wyoming or wherever, you know. Um <laughs> and 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 they're not going to they're not going to suffer the way you and I are going to suffer in our families and and all that. But there's a reason for that and it has to do with God's perfect justice. And um yeah, I mean, look. I would much rather suffer now on this planet in this existence than you know than for eternity and so that this speaks to this speaks to like the nature of god and his divine justice something that a lot of catholics don't spend a lot of time talking about because everyone in the new church is more focused on mercy less focused on justice and um you know if and so that is what leads to this misunderstanding about the nature of god's justice because it's very easy to fall into like the Joel Alstein prosperity gospel when you don't think about justice or understand justice, where you start to think, well, if God loves me, he's going to give me stuff. He's going to make me rich. He's going to make my life easy. He's going to alleviate my suffering and he's going to uh, send me money and success and fame and all of these things. And so to have all those things is a sign of a blessing from God. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. You know, the Protestants are in error, and I think the, that new church Catholics, you know, modernist Catholics are also in that same error where they're more or less subscribed to the prosperity gospel, and they think that their lives should be absolutely easy and free of pain, and to the extent that there is any pain, then, you know, that's that's some sign of abandonment by God, and now we have to have, like, a crisis of faith and all that stuff. It's like, well, you know, if you were Catholic the whole time, then you wouldn't have a crisis of faith.
0: Yep, yep. And if you most especially, most especially if you understood the nature of like even so if you understand, even if you understood like the good old fashioned Protestant work ethic, the Protestant work ethic was you sacrifice for now to gain for the future. We don't do that. It's completely inverse. It's been inverse since the 1960s. It's let's go ahead and do it now and then we'll pay for it later that's stupid. I mean, at least the, you know, the the anti-Catholic Protestants who were working their way to try and destroy all of Catholicity and all of Christendom still had that one thing that you could hold on to where it was, we make the sacrifice now so that we can provide for the future. It was always provide for the future. Well, now we spend our futures trying to provide for our present. And that basically, I mean, it... (laughs) Um, guys like guys like Eric over at Trad Cat Night and and other places like they talk about it and I, and I say Eric in particular because he's um I've actually heard him cover some of this stuff in his podcast but this is a form of vampirism that has basically been allowed to manifest this is economic vampirism the Boomer generation and the ones before them who were like well we can just go ahead we can take out the loan now and we can pay for it later we did that with our entire national economy and so you had parents stealing from their children and then from their children's children and then f- even to the third and fourth generation and that's where we're at now we've got 300 million people in in the country we've got 30 trillion in debt we've got 150 trillion in unfunded liabilities and when you add all those numbers up for every child that's born today if they were to try to pay that down it comes out it comes out to some ridiculously it's almost It's almost $1 million for every man, woman, and child that we're on the hook for.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
0: And it's no wonder you get college kids screaming about college debt. They don't need any more added to their plate because they're already being sucked. They're already being bled dry by their parents and their grandparents, which would have never happened in a place that was rightly ordered. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off on that rant. (laughs) (laughs)
2: No, it's, you're, you're right. We we have no concept of planning for the future because, you know, we're, we're um contracepting and aborting our future. And we have, I mean, we have more dog grandparents than real grandparents. So it's, it's a mindset.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It most certainly is. The, um, <laughs> you mentioned that and all of a sudden, and I'll just flash back to a, to a minor incident because it, because, My family is very – I'm the only practicing Catholic in my family. So most of the rest of my family has no idea exactly how disgusting some of the more stupid, like vapid statements that they make, how disgusting it really is. Um, And yeah. Yeah, my mom's dog got compared as a member of my generation in my family. And I looked at her and I was like, you're out of your mind. Um, And I did rebuke her. It's actually one of the few times I rebuked her (laughs) because I was just like, no. You're not putting me on the, right. le- you're not putting me, I don't care how cute this Mastiff is. You're not putting me on the level with this Mastiff. <laughs> so yeah, no gracious. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And folks wonder why libs of TikTok is so popular because you get to see all this stuff in full view in all of its disgusting glory. <clears throat> and it's, I think one of the reasons why I had such why I had such an issue, um, once the Supreme Court leak came out, like that was the moment that I realized I couldn't even cover news anymore because it was just like – because it was – it's the abortion issue and the arguments that they're making. It's identical to the arguments they're making with the LGBT issue. It's identical to the arguments they're making with the economy and ESG and the whole nine yards and the whole thing is a culture of death and destruction and mayhem and degeneracy. And I – between that and 18-hour days, I just couldn't do it.
2: <laughs> right. <clears throat> right. Yeah, and and I think I think we're seeing more people unplug from the system, you know, whatever that system is and however however people sort of see that that system. I think we're seeing more people say to themselves like I don't I don't want to participate in this so-called global economy and 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 whatever else, you know, and and I applaud those efforts. I mean, people are people are returning to the land. They want to be closer to their food source. They want to be more self-sufficient. You know, I I think I think the overall rejection of the wage slave usury economy. You know, that's that starts you off with usury just to get through college, you know, uh, and then you you enter the real world, you know, saddled with debt for having been indoctrinated. And then you, and then you load up on debt to get a car. And then, you know, if you start a family, then you're like, okay, I'm going to rent a house because I, I have debt on my car. I have debt on my college. Uh, my wife, for whatever reason, went to college, which is a non-traditional thing to do anyway. Now she's bringing her debt into this thing, you know? And it's like, um, then you got to just take whatever, you know, the best job you can and work as hard as you can. And, and people are like, I know. I'm just going to reject all that. People are skipping college now. People are are more interested in agriculture and and um, uh, you know sustaining self-sustainment. And uh, I think it's a good thing. I do tend to
0: agree. I do tend to agree. I'm. I wish I had the the impulse. Because every time I think about actually starting a farm, I go, couldn't you just build better machines? Like, literally, that's what ends up happening in my head. I do wish I had the impulse towards that sort of thing. The, um, particularly, actually, when it comes – I don't know why I managed to never go hunting in the, in the entire time that I was armed. I managed to never go hunting for anything other than bad guys. Um, and I think it actually <laughs> probably would have done me some good you know, to actually deal with something that I am going to have to clean and skin and all that other stuff. Um, because now I look at it and I'm entirely, I mean, I'm in my forties and I'm way too averse to that sort of thing to actually start a farm. I'm more likely, no joke. I'm more likely to build a bunch of robots to go out and hunt, you know, to go out and hunt and clean deer. The, um, (laughs) it's just, I wish it was in my constitution. And, and the truth of the matter is I don't even have the, like now it's actually an investment to try and put it into my, like to actually work it into my constitution, the uh, <laughs> consequences of actually having been born and raised as a city boy. So, the um, folks, that is my biggest indictment. You will not be able to survive if you're born and raised as a city boy or a city girl. Yeah, it's just that's just think, a fact.
2: I think it's true. I I, I think that. I think that that's generally true. We all kind of know who the, the the personality types and the experience sets that are going to do well in "quote unquote" the end times. You know, people talk about the end times, which everyone sort of in, views what that means a little bit differently. But um, you know, I I I tend to think, man, that yeah, that certain people raised a certain way are gonna are gonna cope with what is to come a little bit better than than others and and and, but the point is is that more i i subjectively i think see signs that people are waking up to that fact and they're trying to make preparations and plans and i think overall that's a good thing and even if you're 60 percent prepped when when the event happens i think you're much better off than if you were zero percent prepped you know and so it's like i you know i'm I don't think that every single person listening to this podcast is able to have five acres and a milk cow and, you know, a diversified um, garden and a greenhouse and, and five years of canned goods in a root cellar uh, overnight. It's it just, it takes a radical lifestyle change to get to that level and it could take 10 years. But if you're two years towards that or five years towards that, when the event happens, you're much better off than if you're zero years towards that.
0: True story. True story. The alternative to that one is to try and fill the Hans, what I would call the Han Solo niche or the, uh, and I say the Han Solo niche because everybody kind of understands Star Wars and he was a smuggler. Uh, but more accurately, I would say probably, um, the, Oh, goodness gracious. The captain Mal Reynolds from uh, Firefly where it's, you're smuggling goods that are perfectly legal, you know, like cows, um, <laughs> and and managing to make do with being transportation the um or something something akin to that because as much as we would like to say hey we're going to be self sufficient with x y and z the fact is is there are some things you're still going to have to find you know you're still going to have to find things like fertilizer you're still going to have to find things I mean, you may be able to grow feed to an extent but i mean you've got to grow food for the family and if you have cows and chickens and goats and all that Um, you know, that, that stuff's got to come from somewhere. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I've been in, I'm in a location where I might actually be able to do that fairly well. Um, but I'm also kind of hoping I don't get there. (laughs) I, I find myself actually the way I I would rather go through a nuclear holocaust than the economic chastisement that this country is about to see. Not even joking. Did I lose you?
2: I was on mute, but I was saying, I think that's fair. Ah, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. I think that, um, our comeuppance is coming. It's going to be bad. I've been saying it for a while. I wish more people would listen. I think the, I think, you know, the Holy Ghost inspires the grace for people to hear the truth and some people will take action and some won't, and that's fine. I mean, it just is what it is. And, again i i rest in the fact that god's justice is perfect as well as his mercy so if if, if we're going to suffer in this life hopefully it's a redemptive suffering and it's a good sign for the future you know saint Teresa of avila when if things started to go well for her she would kind of gaze to heaven and say uh you know almost take it as a bad sign like uh-oh are, you, are yeah. you trying to? Are you trying to give me great, you know, consolations right now because I'm not, you know, uh, because I'm going to be barred from consolations in in the uh, in the in the next world? I I hope not, God, you know, like it's, it's fun. I love I love consolations. I'm sure you do too. I'm sure we <laughs> all do. I love consolations. But if if your entire life is consolation after consolation, if you have the Midas touch, ooh, I I would. I would take stock right now. I'd be like, I wonder if that's actually a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's actually been my number one panic attack since, since I returned actually in particular, not even since I became back to the Catholic faith, but actually when I committed myself to, to being more traditionally minded, um, and living the faith out in a traditional manner as best I can. Um, the, that became immediately as I look back at my life and I'm just like, um, okay, I've got a lot to pay for. And it didn't look like I did a whole lot of it in this, in this life. Um, and it panicked me actually when I got my promotion at work, the, uh, cause I'm looking at him going, um, God, is this what you really want? Like, um, cause I'd much rather suffer some more. Like I'd rather be homeless on the street and make it to heaven than, you know, be prosperous in my job and be condemned like wasn't about that at all.
2: Yeah, I mean that's just the catholic way of looking at things and we have to get back to looking at uh, at reality as catholics and if we, you know, if we're if we're going to have any any uh, ability to see this problem for what it is, to see it clearly. You know, because part of part of um the the virtue of humility is just to see the truth. It's just to see the world for For what it is to see something for what it is to see yourself as you are. It's not it's not thinking less of yourself. It's just it's just seeing yourself accurately. And um, and I think. I think for us to be able to see. The the evils in the world correctly and to perceive. This situation that we're living through correctly and to be able to predict, you know, let me put it this way, people so, well, sometimes ask me, or I'm sure you get asked all the time, Caleb, how did you know that there would be three waves of lockdowns? How did you know that COVID was a hoax? How did you know that the 2020 election would be stolen? How did you predict that they were going to cancel uh, the March for Life? How did you predict that that January 6th was a false flag? It's, it's not the gift of prophecy. It's merely just interacting with the world honestly. It's merely yeah. just looking at the problem set and the facts and the data, not through a distorted prism of emotion or of, uh, you know, of of disinformation or or anything else like that. Um, it's just as Catholics, like we we're Thomas, we're realists and. Um, you know, the, the, the John senior tried to restore realism and, and did a good job you know, with that. And, you know, Clear Creek Abbey exists because of John senior and Thomas Aquinas college exists and Wyoming Catholic college exists because of John senior and then, and the restoration of realism. And how do we, how do we interact? Fundamentally, how do we interact with reality? How do we understand what, what, what reality is, uh, so that we're not just living in a castle in our sky, you know, in, created in our mind, um, we interact with reality with our five senses, we, and we we trust and believe what our five senses are telling us. If I smell something, it's real. If I taste something, it tastes something. You know, you, you know what I mean. What yep. communists try to do is to usurp our five senses. They will stand in front of a burning building and say, "This is a mostly peaceful protest." This is a mostly peaceful protest, right? And they and they what they're trying to do is break the links, the mental links that you have to your five senses. Your 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 brain is seeing. The the, the the carnage and destruction behind the news anchor and your brain is telling you this is not a this is a violent protest but the news anchor is telling you no this is a peaceful protest and the the, the demonic inversion of you know like the mistrust of our senses that's what so again this just go this just goes back to i think that one of the themes behind all of this is just Fighting communism and and recognizing that communism is is winning and it's going to win for a time in our country. And it has won. Uh, And and we might even be one of the biggest exporters of communism now at this point, uh, whether or not we choose to accept that and acknowledge that or not. But but. Point number two about communism, I told you point number one of communism is is class strife. Point number two is breaking down the, the links between our connection to reality causing us to disbelieve what our senses are telling us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's written about by fantastical writers, you know, like in 1984 and brave new world or whatever. And that, yeah. and, and those books seem like they're so uh, they're still even to this day seem kind of far fetched, Um, but the, the points, the points in those books stands insofar as brainwashing is a real thing. They're trying to brainwash us. They're trying to break our 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 mental synaptic connections with our physical reality. And so, as a result, the very few people who are actually, I would say, awake—like you're awake—I I hope I'm awake. Um, I think a lot of traditional Catholics are awake. They see the world as it is. That's mere. It's it's again, it's not the gift of prophecy. It's not anything supernatural. It's literally just. Looking at the data for what it is and what it is, is that we are headed towards an economic, social, geopolitical calamity. There's there's no stopping it. There's only making local preparations with you, your family, your community and your parish.
0: Yep, absolutely. The uh, and actually, I think uh, some of this, because as you were talking about it, I was reminded I was reminded of David Hume. David Hume is the first retard to say that just because I see it or just because ball a hits ball B doesn't mean that the resultant movement from ball B is caused by ball a it, literally saying just because I saw what happened doesn't mean that what I saw happened the dumbest. And this guy's from, i uh, was was one of the early, he was actually one of the early Freemasons and it's like, that's philosophy. Um, believe what you see. Believe what, believe that what people tell you is what they mean, even if it's not what they're going to do. You know, you have to take a lot of things in this world at face value and then compare that whatever actually happens as a result from that and take those results at face value. You know, if somebody says, I'm going to do a, and then turn around, turns around and does the exact opposite of a, then you can assume that either they never had the intention of doing a, or they don't know what a is period, but you yeah. have to take these people at their face value like you have to take them at face value and then see and then see what they do and take that at face value and then see yeah. the results and take that at face value because well, that's
2: no, all I know mean, we yeah it, well, well true i mean and and the, some Catholics are fond of saying, you know, uh, you can't judge people or whatever. I t- absolutely can judge people. I'm not talking about judging the state of Bill Gates' soul. I'm just saying actions speak louder than words. You know, if, if Gates is buying into, you know, monkeypox, uh, you know, vaccines, then I know he's, he's, he's foretelling what he's, his next devious plan is. You know what I mean? So it's like there's nothing wrong with looking at the way people behave and their behaviors and interpreting that in a certain way. Um and again, that's not that's neither prophecy nor is it the 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 specific type of judgmentalism that that our Lord condemns. Exactly. I, I can't sit here and say that Bill Gates is going to hell. I can say that he's cooperating with the devil, and if he doesn't repent, that seems like it's where he's headed. But that's about as definitive as I can say about him. But what I can say is that he's working towards evil. Uh he's he's benefited from COVID. He's appears to be one of the engineers of, of the new world order. Uh, you know, like you can, you can make these scientific judgments, I guess, about what, what he's doing, his behavior without, without making, you know, the, the eternal moral judgment of, of his particular soul. And I think so many like wishy-washy Catholics, like shy away from just looking at, looking at people's behavior and interpreting their behavior. And we used to be a society where it was okay. It was pretty normal where we would police each other, you know, and, and you would confront somebody and say, Hey, what, why are you doing that thing? Um, and you know, it turned out that now we, we can't shame anybody and shame used to be like a pretty potent tool for social cohesion, we, we – I, I, one of the things I argue all the time is that Americans never really had a culture because we refused to adopt uh, the culture of Christendom, uh, and we sort of like denied our own patrimony from Europe. Yep. And so we invented our own like rugged individualist culture or whatever, but like freedom is not a culture. Uh, you know, and the Constitution is not a culture. Um, you know, a culture is a language, it's cuisine, it's it's religion, it's you know, it's all those things, and we just don't have any of that. We just we're just like a melting pot of whatever you whatever you want to do, you do. So like individualism is, and and like a philosophy is not a culture. But but at a minimum, we had at in lieu of a culture, or like one of the things that you could say uh, that you could grasp onto and say, well, we it's it's a semi culture. Is we had we had cultural norms, we had a normative way of behavior, we had mo- mores, right? Yep. And the way to enforce yeah. those and to uh, sort of normalize them is through shaming people who deviate from that. So y- you can even see it if you watch an old Jimmy Stewart movie. The way that people used to talk to each other, at least as portrayed in film, you know, in the in the 30s and 40s. Is hey, what do you what are you doing over there? You know, what is the meaning of this? People were confrontational. If you if you had if your behavior was more than one standard deviation away from the norm, then you were confronted by somebody.
0: Yep, <clears throat> absolutely. The um, I think <laughs> it's it's funny because obviously, as a Catholic, I don't believe in free speech. I don't believe in um, freedom of religion. Um, I don't even necessarily believe in the other three rights that are supposedly granted by the first amendment. But if our nation were Catholic to the core, then the Constitution's a great framework to operate a nation from, but our nation's not Catholic to the core. Um, in fact, they've done a really good job in hollowing out even the last vestiges of Christendom from that core. And so as far as I'm concerned, oof, it's my hot take of the day. That document could be used as toilet paper and it's just as effective. In fact, actually it would be more effective as toilet paper because we've completely hollowed out the core of any faith, of any morality, of any sense that people need to conform with a single set of rules at a minimum so we just know how to interact with each other. I think the thing that probably caused most people to wake up wasn't the evils that were being done by these people. It was the fact that the rules changed like every two and a half minutes. You can say this, you can't say that you can, Oh, you can do that now, but you can't say this. That's not, that's not as, that's not someplace you can even begin to like, you have to have the solid footing. And I think people started to realize exactly how evil all this was when they no longer had the solid footing because you couldn't even, you couldn't even say, what are you doing and why? And as soon as, as soon as we took that out, oh, you're a racist if you ask that question. You're a sexist if you ask, ask that question. You're a homophobe if you ask that question. You're a transphobe, istophobic, phobic, phobic, whatever-phobe. And as soon as we did that, everybody started to look and go, wait a minute, hang on. Killing babies is evil. Letting criminals out to just do whatever is evil spreading drug use oh um spreading spreading drug use and all that stuff is evil yeah, right <laughs> and but it took not being able to say it was evil for people to wake up mm-hmm. anyway last thoughts on the whole thing and one question for a prediction just kind of a yes or no we can we you know because it is basically a coin toss do you think that the people who are in the system who who have managed to actually accumulate the wealth do you think the ones who disagree with all these people going the ESG route will be successful in breaking the ESG grip before it takes the whole system down
2: um i think i'm pretty firmly in the no camp on that um, i don't think i don't think the wokeness you know is is going to be fought because here's the problem the the way that the way that they are intending to combat the, pro- the so-called problem is just by slowing it down. Yeah. In, in other words, um, conservatism, so-called, is just liberalism in slow motion. So until we have like true revolutionaries, reactionaries um conservatism is merely just going to implement esg more slowly and more prudently so-called but both sides are are playing the same game you know they're they're both more or less bought and paid for by the underlying philosophy of communism so i I don't i don't i don't see us getting out of it anytime soon
0: well (laughs) i was hoping because i saw it and i looked and i go that might work Because I'm not interested. Like right now, I'm just interested in breaking the grip long enough so people can breathe. You know, so so we can actually reorient and figure out. Okay, that's not working. Let's try and find a way to stay away from that. But in truth, in scripture, it actually like once we've gotten to this point, you look and you you look at it in scripture, particularly in the apocalypse, and it's sorry, dudes, you guys are you're you're on this train to the end. You waited
2: too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Hey, but it's so exciting. We get to be alive for all of this. I mean, you know, I sometimes, like, I think a lot of Catholics are like, oh, I wish I could have been in the Middle Ages. I wish I could have been in the Crusades, in the catacombs, and in whatever, like, period, you know, building, building the great cathedrals of Europe, the age of faith, or fighting the Enlightenment, or whatever. But, like, w- we're in probably the most exciting times of all. Yep.
0: Yep. Where the martyrs are mostly spiritual and nobody really knows the merits and and the graces and the glories that are go- that are going to actually be handed out in the aftermath because it's not obvious. There's no you know, we're not we're not doing we're not doing the red martyrdom in America so much as the white martyrdom. You know, the red martyrdom is still kind of relegated off mostly to the east. You know, it, it's. You just don't know. You're, we're going to get to the end and, and God will be like, wow, you guys did really, really impressive. Or you guys really, really sucked. <laughs> the, right. um, and, and so we're not really going to find out. We just actually have to move each day in fear and trembling, working out our salvation. And in an environment like this, got to be honest with you, it is for me. I like you. I find it very motivating. Um, It is terrifying and wonderful all at the same time. It's it's absolutely magnificent. Well, <clears throat> we've been on here for more than an hour and I'd actually originally intended actually our whole conversation to take about an hour so this way I wasn't impinging on your time too much. Um so I want to thank you again for coming on. Um I know <laughs> I know the I know the listeners will basically enjoy it because I know because I actually run into some of my listeners in the chat feed on the rundown. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> there we go. Nice.
0: Yeah, um, um, I know they'll enjoy having um, having your perspective on the show and and kind of adding uh, some more flavor or more um, color to the environment so we could really see what was going on. I appreciate you coming on.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. It's, it's, it's been great. And let's not let as much time go by uh, on the next one.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I look I look forward to I look forward to our our next crossing paths. This will be uh, it'll be interesting because I think the next the next next big one will be as we get closer to that decision and see exactly uh, the actual release of the Supreme Court decision and see what really happens. Because this summer looks to be I don't know. It's weird. It looked like it was going to blow up immediately and just stay blown up, like they did with uh, George Floyd, and then it didn't. Um, and then Ukraine looked like it was going to blow up into nuclear war, and it's still so- holding off. Um, and so it looks like there's, it looks like we're up for lots of tension and not a lot of release.
2: <laughs> it's gonna get lit,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: without a doubt. I'll be well, my friend. Thank you so much. Likewise, you too. This
0: is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands.